It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is New Mexico Bull Eve. We're talking about what to expect as the SMU Mustangs and the BYU Cougars face off. We got all of that ahead on today's show as well as some other questions that we did not get answered yesterday. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Uh, essentially, this is going to be a bonus episode. Uh, I'm going to drop this one at midnight like I typically do, but there will be a sixth episode uh, coming out. It's a Locked On Utes and Locked On Cougars crossover, getting you ready for tomorrow's Holy War matchup in basketball at the Marriott Center. JT Wistersill, a longtime friend of mine and a guy that I really, really enjoy uh, working with, he is the host of Locked On Utes. We got together and talked some Utah basketball, also talked some recruiting between the Utes and the Cougars on the football front of things. So that'll be coming out later today, Friday. But this edition essentially is what we call a bonus edition. I did not get a Friday edition out to you guys last week due to a, an equipment failure, so figured I'd make it, up to you, make it up to you guys today. So let's dive right in, but a quick reminder for you guys that we are very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where of course the motto is your team every day and we as such are, we, are your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Our goal here, simply stated, my goal is to make you guys the smartest BYU fans out there. The New Mexico Bowl is tomorrow. BYU facing off against the SMU Mustangs 42 years after they played in one of the more famous bowl games ever, the Holiday Bowl, the Miracle Bowl, as most BYU fans know it. Jim McMahon rallying BYU from a 20-point deficit to win it in the final seconds, 46-45 to in the Holiday Bowl. My father was in attendance at that game, and uh, he actually, when they fell behind, was like, 29-7 in the first quarter at the old Jack Murphy Stadium, what most of you probably know is a Qual- a Qualcomm Stadium. I guess really depending on uh, what age you are, whether you know it as Jack Murphy or Qualcomm. But my dad actually left the stadium to go play football on uh, just a field outside of the stadium or in the parking lot because they were down so much. But then they started hearing roars of the crowd growing louder and louder as the game progressed. They walked back in and they realized, hey, BYU's on, on a comeback here. My dad was able to sit down and watch that Hail Mary go into the end zone, hauled it in for the score, obviously, to Clay Brown. And BYU gets out of there with a, just an absolutely incredible victory. Uh, Lavelle Edwards, uh, always that famous shot of him celebrating the win. It's it's one of those famous things. But now we get a rematch of this rivalry series. BYU owns the series history three games to none. Uh, they played two games in the mid-1990s. BYU winning at home in 1996 and then the scraping by in the Cotton Bowl down the air in Dallas, Texas in 1997. That was part of the expanded WAC era, if you recall, the 16-team WAC. But now... SMU, a member of the American Athletic Conference, BYU and Independent on the doorstep of going to the Big 12, and these two will square off. My overall expectation for this game is points, and I mean that sincerely because I think both of these offenses, even with Jaron Hall not playing in this game, I can say it right now, folks, number three is not going to play for BYU. Jaron Hall, their senior captain, it's crazy to think about this, and somebody pointed it out on Twitter. I did not realize this, but it's true. Jaron Hall, if he does decide to leave BYU, BYU after this game, if he decides to take his uh, talents to the NFL, he will have finished his BYU career having never 
played in a bowl game. It's one of those crazy, crazy things, but true things at the same time. And uh, you wish Jaron the best, and hopefully he's able to recover quickly no matter what. Uh, he's dealing with a pretty severe high ankle sprain from what I understand, and uh, hopefully it's not going to preclude him from any, if it is pre-draft workouts or off-season workouts, whatever it is, he's able to recover quickly and get back out on the field. Now, my expectation for BYU at quarterback is to see both uh, Cade Fennigan and Sol J. Maiava-Peters. I said this on the Thursday edition of the podcast. It doesn't really matter to me who ultimately gets the first snap in this game. I believe both of them are going to get some time in the first half, and I really think the coaching staff will determine at halftime who they feel like has got the hot hand, and that's probably the quarterback that'll get the ball in the second half and hopefully be leading BYU to a victory. But the BYU defense has to do its part. Uh, BYU's defensive line should be near full strength. Linebacking core is going to be pretty depleted overall. Uh, three of their four starters for most of this year are not playing in this game. Ben Bywater, the only regular along that uh, linebacking core who will actually be suiting up based on what I understand. The secondary should be fairly strong as well. Should have most of their guys out there, but uh, BYU's defense has got to go up against a very, very potent SMU offense. Rasheed Rice, their star receiver, 96 receptions, 1,300 yards, and 10 touchdowns, will not be playing in this game, so that's a break for BYU on defense. But SMU still got plenty of talent, and Tanner Mordecai is one touchdown away from setting the program record for career touchdown passes. He's thrown 70 during his time as a Mustang. 71 is the record, and I would assume he's probably going to tie and or break that record in this game. Now, BYU's best opportunity in this one, folks, is to run the football. SMU, I I pulled this up, they are allowing an average of 203.2 rushing yards per game. BYU should be able to run the football on these guys and having guys like Chris Brooks, Hinkley Ropati, Miles Davis, there will be no Lopini Katoa. He is uh, not able to play, according to Kalani Satake, uh, due to some injury concerns. But the other three guys, they should, in theory, have a field day on this SMU. SMU defense, and that should be BYU's best chance to grind out a victory in this one. If you try and put this game on the arm of Soljay Maiava Peters and or Cade Fennigan to win it, I don't think it's going to go the way that BYU fans want it to go. And Aaron Roderick said it best. 8-5 and five versus 7-6 and six are two very, very different things. 8-5, and five, you're feeling pretty good about yourselves as a springboard into the offseason, on into the Big 12 era. 7-6 and six is the third time in seven seasons that Kalani Sitake's team would have finished just one game above 500. Eight and five looks night and day better than seven and six, even though they're so close relatively in terms of the 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 numbers and the record, but it's still, it's very, very different type feeling when it comes to this game. So BYU should go into this one, I would hope, with a game plan to dominate the time of possession by controlling the ground game. BYU's uh, defense, by comparison to SMU's, allowing 203 rushing yards per game. BYU's defense is averaging 174 rushing yards per game. So in theory, BYU's defense should be better equipped to hold down uh, SMU, but the BYU defense, similar to the Mustangs' defense, have not been good. Scoring defense, both of them are sub-100 in the national rankings. I think BYU is actually right on 100. Uh, SMU allowing an average of 38 points per game. BYU should be able to score in this one no matter who's playing quarterback. Uh, It should be coming via the ground game, I feel like play action, that type of stuff. And the one thing that Soljay Maiava-Peters offers that Cade Fennigan does not quite offer, I think Cade Fennigan is more in the mold of a Zach Wilson. Can run, but would prefer to make plays with his arm in the pocket. Soljay Maiava-Peters, while he's able to make plays with his arm, he also has the true dual threat ability. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but he can scoot. And he would be a guy that if BYU wants to use the QB run game in this matchup, that's where Soljay can be a difference maker, I feel like. He gives BYU more of what Jaron Hall offered in the QB run game versus the 
what I would expect from Cade Finnegan. Now, Cade could go out there and prove me absolutely wrong, and I'd be happy to eat crow on that if he shows he's capable of contributing in the QB run game. But Aaron Roderick will have these guys coached up. I can assure you of that. But it's a very, very tantalizing matchup. It would have been so much more fun if Jaron Hall was playing in this game because I truly believe if Jaron was playing in this game, we might see a game where these defenses, it's like defense optional. An offense is just motor up and down the field on one another with two very, very good quarterbacks, both bound for the NFL because Tanner Mordecai, he's going to be an NFL guy just like Jaron Hall. I would think that this game could end up in the 40-point range. I think BYU's best bet in this one, keep it in the 20s. You keep BYU, uh, keep SMU somewhere in the 20s by controlling the, the time of possession, dominating the clock. That is going to be BYU's best bet for a victory. I, I know that doesn't sound sexy, doesn't sound like something that you're going to enjoy watching, but all that really matters, we've talked about this many, many times on this podcast, all that really matters at the end of the day is seeing your team, in this case, BYU, having more points on that scoreboard than the other team, speaking of SMU. Isn't that really what all that matters? You'll feel so much better, I would imagine, as a BYU fan, if they win this game no matter how it comes. Yes, you may gripe that, wow, they they had only eight possessions and they, they, they were 28 to 25 or whatever the final. Okay, whatever. Win the football game, if at all possible. Is it possible that SMU comes in and blows the doors off BYU? It's absolutely possible. If BYU's defense is not up to snuff, they're playing more like they were playing in October versus what we saw in November, and even they had some of their foibles in November, but if they play like they played in uh, October, there's no reason to think that Tanner Mordecai can't carve this defense up, and I do think that he will carve this defense up. I wouldn't be surprised if Mordecai finishes a 300 yards passing in this game. I, I just He's that good, even without Rasheed Rice, like I said, their star receiver. They've still got plenty of talent, plenty of ability to move the ball. It's very, very important for BYU's defense, especially on third downs, to make sure they get off the field. I'd like to see BYU throw the kitchen sink at SMU. Bring every type of blitz. Bring seven-man pressures. Bring safety blitzes. Bring the corner blitzes we've seen at points this season. Just bring it. This is a time to throw everything you've got out the window. Anything you've been holding back in reserve offensively, defensively, special teams-wise for BYU, throw it. At SMU, because guess what? There's no other team that you're playing for another nine months after this, ten months after this, whatever it's going to be. It's going to be a long, long offseason. It's such a short, finite period. You could actually play these college football games. Do not, if you're BYU, hold anything back. Trick plays on offense. Blitzes on defense. If you want to go for it on a punt or a, a go for an onside kick, heck, Go for it. This is the type of game to do it because this is when you go out there and just kind of throw, you say, I'm all in, baby, and go after it. Uh, you don't have a, a proven quarterback running your offense. Your coaching staff, you're operating with about half of what you typically have in terms of full-time assistants. A lot of graduate assistants and defensive and offensive analysts are stepping up in their roles to help BYU in this game. The defensive guys in particular are putting on a – a job interview, for lack of a better term, for a guy like Jay Hill is going to be the defensive coordinator next year. He'll be probably sitting in a box evaluating all these guys, how good they play, what their potential fit is in his defense. There is a lot riding on this game for BYU. So just go out there, play loose, play fast, and just have fun and throw everything you got. Like Kalani talks about emptying the tank. Empty all of it. Just completely... It should be, the light should be on in that gas tank, and you should be like, you know what, we're pulling, you remember the Seinfeld uh, episode where they, they're driving the car upstate in New York, many of you will recall it, and they're like, well, we're going to see how far we can get on this thing, and they're just going on a joyride. 
empty the tank, empty everything you got, empty the clip. Also, it's just this is a fun, fun time to do this because there's very few expectations for BYU. Uh, that's the thing about this is BYU opened. Our friends at Bet Online, we'll talk more about Bet Online here in a moment. Uh, Bet Online have BYU as a as a one point favorite when the betting lines opened uh, ahead of the bowl season. With Jaron Hall's injury and some other news, that line has swung a full four, five and a half points. It is now last I checked, SMU minus four and a half in this one. So if you want to get in on that, I'll just I'll uh, we'll talk about bet online in a moment. But if you want to get in on that, do it now. It's a big opportunity here to get BYU as the underdog, and let's see what they do. Let's just go out there and enjoy it. I am going to be traveling by the time most of you uh, watch and or listen to this. I will be in the air on my way to Albuquerque. Would love to see you guys out there. If you happen to be. Uh, uh, I'm going to say pedaling about. No, if you're having to just be wandering about in Albuquerque, hit me up on social media. I'd love nothing more than to meet up with you guys. It can be a really, really fun environment. All right. Uh, we're going to wrap up this, uh, I guess, bonus edition with some final questions you guys have asked uh, that I missed in yesterday's mailbag edition. Also, some notes on the BYU basketball game. They beat a uh, Division II foe last night. Okay, great. Now get ready for Utah and BYU. We'll get to all of that in just a moment. As mentioned, Bet Online has been a really uh, great partner of ours for a number of years. They are your number one source for all of your sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. Like I said, SMU, the line is swung in the favor of the Mustangs in tomorrow's New Mexico Bowl. SMU currently a four and a half point favorite, according to our friends over at Bet Online. But you can get the latest odds and trends for every profession, professional and amateur league out there right now, from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and the World Cup. They've got it all at Bet Online. If you like sports podcasts, you can find those on bet online as well they are the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all of your betting information so head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more now that's bet online where the game starts the ncaa tournament is almost here and listening to locked on college basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket so don't wait Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. You guys are absolutely phenomenal out there. I absolutely love doing this podcast, and it's the reason why I decided, you know what, I'm going I'm to do six episodes this week, and we're going to probably even do a postcast edition uh, for you guys after the game. I'll probably be at University Stadium down there in Albuquerque or at my hotel room, but we're going to do it. We're going to talk about the game, the season as a whole. Uh, starting next week, we'll do what we call our our retrospectives, our what we call postmortems, essentially, on each uh, position group. We'll go through those uh, position group by position group group and look at how they performed. We'll do a big overview of the team. It's a it's going to be a, a fun rest of the way in the month of uh, December. And then starting in January, January 2nd, we're going to start it. Our countdown to the next football season to the Big 12 era for BYU begins with a countdown looking back at every game in BYU's independent era, starting with Ole Miss in 2011 and all the way through this game. We'll do it probably, they'll be like, what, August, whatever it is, uh, the Friday before BYU's opening game against Sam Houston State. It'll be a recap of this game, uh, speaking of the uh, of the New Mexico Bowl, but looking forward to it. We'll have you covered all offseason long, folks. We don't go anywhere. We do this year-round. Uh, this is not something I kick up in the season and then we shut it down. 
down. No, this is going, we knew this for four years. I've done 1,200. This is 1,000, let's see, uh, episode 1,216 of the Locked On Cougars podcast. Now, we've only been on YouTube for, uh, for about eight months, but four years on your traditional audio pr- platforms. And a number of you have been riding with us since day one. So you guys are, you guys are the hardiest of the hardy. All right. On to some other news and notes involved in BYU athletics. Uh, Dallin Holker, the guy who quit on BYU three games in the season. And I say quit because that's exactly what he did. Uh, an assistant team captain quitting on his teammates. A lot of rumors out there that he was on his way to the University of Utah. Well, apparently that is not the case because he announced that he is committed to the Colorado State Rams. Yes. Uh, BYU's old Mountain West uh, foe. Uh, he is headed to the front range out to Fort Collins to play for CSU. And frankly, I was stunned because I had heard a lot about Dallin Holker potentially going to the University of Utah, but it appears that he is downgrading and going to Colorado State. Now, Jeff Hansen, our good friend over at College uh, Cougar Sports Insider, as well as Give Him Help Brigham, the podcast, says, why would Dallin Holker go to Colorado State? This is on Twitter. The team hasn't been any good, but I think the answer is pretty clear. Trey McBride, many of you might recall that name, he was the first tight end taken in the NFL draft last year, proved that you can be drafted very high as a tight end out of CSU, and Cole Turner, also drafted, proved that uh, tight ends can thrive in Matt Mummy's offense, that is uh, Hal Mummy, the Air Raid Innovator's uh, son. Uh, Trey McBride, if I'm not mistaken, let me see here, yeah, 12 games, 90 receptions, 1,121 yards. Like Colorado State is not necessarily a good team, but what it is, is they get their tight ends involved in the offense, and that's what Dallin Holker's looking for. Dallin Holker wanted to be the quote-unquote guy leading a, a team, and that was not going to happen with Isaac Rex in his way of BYU. Now, I, I like Dallin Holker a lot as a player. The way he handled his business at BYU... Mm, yeah, I don't. I, I'm not necessarily. I'm not not the biggest fan of that because he left the program and made a huff about it and really burned some of his teammates in the process. But BYU. They'll just move on here. I think Ethan Erickson's going to step up and be an even bigger part of BYU's offense. In theory, a guy like Isaac Rex going into next year, uh, having a, a, another offseason to rehab that ankle, he has never been at 100% this season. Him getting back to full strength next year, man, you're talking about a guy who is an NFL-caliber tight end. And if he's back to full strength, imagine what he's capable of doing. He, he contributed. He was sec- he's second on the team in touchdown receptions this year, folks. I, I know that sounds baffling to you because BYU never throws it to their tight ends. Well, they do. It's just, it's in spots. So uh, looking forward to seeing what Isaac Rex does, but uh, congratulations to Dallin Holker. Him downgrading to the Mountain West Conference may see, be seen as a loss of prestige, but as I said, he wanted to be the guy for a team, and Colorado State is in just a full rebuild mode. Jay Norvell trying to get things uh, back on track out there in Fort Collins, the former Nevada coach who had great success uh, with the Wolfpack, trying to get the Rams going again. The crazy thing about this is Dallin Holker will be joined by a fellow Lehigh High School alum and Jackson Brousseau. Uh, Brousseau is a guy that I, th- I want to BYU to recruit at quarterback. I think he's maybe the best quarterback in the state this year. I am an armchair analyst, but I thought Brousseau was absolutely phenomenal. He has been committed for a long time to Colorado State and has shown no signs of backing off that commitment. So could it be Brousseau to Holker uh, leading the Rams in the Mountain West next year? Sure looks that way, and we'll find out. But congratulations once again to Dallin Holker on landing in his new university. Now, yesterday we also got some news uh, involved. Uh, Hans Olsen, a guy that I work with on a daily basis at the DKSL Sports Zone, he made this tweet. I'm seeking retro NIL payment from my college days if anyone's interested. DM 
Academy, Hans Olsen, number 72, BYU defensive tackle, 1996-2000. Well, BYU passing game quarter and wide receivers coach Fessy Satake responded with this uh, retort to Hans Olsen that just opened a huge can of worms. It says, be careful, Hans, dot, dot, dot. Like many out there, you're going to chase a deal that won't be there in the end with the eyes covered emoji. And Utah fans took that as an absolute slight at the Utes. But what Fessy Satake is talking about, folks, is there are a lot of guys that have uh, gone into the transfer portal, and this goes nationwide. All And he, Fessy did clarify this. He says that this is not specific to any region. There's 131 FBS teams, and he said, I stand by my statement 100%. I can tell you this much. There are NIL collectives out there that are promising oodles and oodles amounts of money to different athletes. And this, like I said, this is not specific to BYU, Utah. This is across the entire sport of FBS. Collectives are, are, are inducing guys to go to the university with absolute just eye-popping numbers of money that they're offering guys. We're talking hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. The problem is, in multiple circumstances, these young men are arriving on campus and the fine print or whatever it is, the money that they have been promised is not adding up in terms of what they actually are seeing in their bank accounts. In some cases, essentially no money is showing up. And that is causing all kinds of consternation because this was meant to allow student athletes to collect some money for signing autographs, have some of their merchandise sold, that type of stuff. What it has become is a recruiting inducement. Exactly what the NCAA has been against for years. And they were like, well, this is not going to be used like that. Folks, Anybody who believes the NCAA on anything right now can has got their head so far stuck in the sand. It's just absolutely insane. They just hired the new, the Massachusetts uh, governor to be their new president of the NCAA. And boy, howdy, does he have a lot to work on on his side of things, especially NIL. It's got to be reined in. Uh, this is supposed to be something that is allowing student athletes to make money while they're at it. I think BYU, to their credit, has handled their business fairly well. I would like to see a more comprehensive NIL collective step up for BYU. BYU athletes, especially when it comes to BYU football and men's basketball, but I think that'll come in time, but you got to do it the right way. You got to have the money there, and if you're going to promise a young man or a young woman a certain amount of money, you better live up to it because that that's it's, it's sleazy, and that's the thing about this is it's just a dirty business. All of the stuff that you'd heard rumors about for years, bag men, uh, guys getting money under the table, now it's all above board. The NCAA has taken all the shackles off all of that. But they were like, oh, it's, it's going to be it's gonna be fine. We're gonna, it's going to work just fine. We're not going to put any parameters on it. And then all of a sudden it's like, hold up, we need to look into this. What is BYU's team-wide NIL deal? What, what, what's this nonsense? The NCAA is so full of crap. And Fessy Satake, he's right. NIL, NIL collectives, they're promising, they're, they're writing checks that they cannot cash. I think I've got the analogy right there or the, the idiom. It's, it's not good right now. And there are athletes who are leaving programs in a huff because they were promised one thing and they're not getting what they were looking for. So, so be it. But it's... <laughs> I don't know. It needs to be cleaned up. I'm not 100% certain how you're going to go about it to make it where it's the rich don't continue to get richer. That, that's that's the thing about this is any athlete out there that, that that wants to play at the highest level, guess what? Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Georgia, the, the big dogs, Clemson, the, the big dogs are, are going to remain the big dogs. They've got the money, they've got the prestige, they've got the power, and they will continue to have that. But the problem is you want to make sure that these athletes are getting a square deal. I'm not 100% certain you're able to rein it in enough to give them that opportunity, but 
Only time will tell. Just it was crazy to see how things erupted from that tweet from Fessy Satake. But I got mad respect for him leaving that tweet up. He very easily could have responded to hands, saw the backlash, and deleted it. But to Fessy's credit, he has left it up as a recording of this podcast. And big credit to him for uh, speaking out on that because it is a, it's a growing issue across the sport. It's not specific to any university. I, I'm dead serious about this. This is a national issue. I actually had a conversation with a friend who is uh, covering a team out in uh, Virginia and. And they said this is an issue out there. So it's not specific to any given team. All right. Uh, Two final notes for you guys is BYU. If you had BYU's first transfer portal commit coming via the special teams route, well, you can go and uh, collect your winnings at the window. Uh, Spencer, uh, Spencer Farron, Will Farron. Has announced he is transferring to BYU, a former Boise State kicker, a guy who actually prepped at Davis High School, is from Kaysville up there in northern Utah. Spent two years with the Boise State Broncos, actually had committed to Utah State out of high school, switched that commitment after coming home to his mission, went to Boise State and was their kickoff specialist this past year. He'll be coming to BYU. Obviously, Kelly Papinga was co-special teams coordinator at Boise State, so he's familiar with Farron and believes that he can come in and compete for that starting kicking job for BYU because Jake Oldroyd has made it clear tomorrow's game against uh, New Mexico will be his final in a Cougar uniform. He is moving on with his life. So that'll leave a a guy like Farron here coming into the program to compete for that kicking job. Justin Smith ostensibly will still be with the program and also Cash Peterman, uh, who has made his impact on social media as well. Been seeing scant action this year for BYU. Those in theory will be the three guys competing for BYU's kicking job in spring ball, but it wouldn't surprise me to maybe see another body or two get in on the mix. And also, Ian Sanchez, a standout kicker from Lone Peak High School, announced his commitment to the BYU football program earlier this week as well. Now, Sanchez, you would figure, would factor into that, but he is actually mission-bound. He's going to be going on a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He'll be returning in 2025 to compete for the kicking position, but I can tell you this much. Sanchez is a guy I've called a number of games for his Lone Peak squad and his leg and accuracy to me are special. He is unlike a lot of uh, prep kickers out there and looking forward to seeing him in a BYU uniform a few years down the road here. But uh, congratulations to uh, Will Farron as well as Ian Sanchez. And like I said, if you had BYU's first transfer portal commit being a kicker, hey, you, 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 you cashed in big time. You probably got pretty good odds on that one. All right. One final note here, and it comes in uh, via DM I got, and that is uh, coming in via Daniel Rigby. And he asked this question. He's like, what is the deal with the Big 12 schedule? It seems like he keeps getting pushed back. Any idea what is causing the delays? And that's a great question, uh, Daniel, because uh, according to Mac Rhodes, the Baylor AD, he had said that no, uh, December 15th or thereabouts is where he expected the the scheduled to drop. Uh, the UCF play-by-play voice uh, said yesterday on the 15th uh, that the schedule is probably not coming out till New Year's now. The Big 12 keeps pushing it back, but there's also a report earlier this week from Brett McMurphy that the Big 12 is considering, and uh, the SEC, etc., the, the Texas and Oklahoma are considering leaving the Big 12 early and getting a jump on moving uh, to the SEC. Could that be part of this? They're trying to line up the schedule to allow them to leave in 2024 where it's just a one-year deal with 14 teams? Maybe so, but for goodness sakes, can we just get the schedule already, your, Brett Yormark? Can you just give it to us? I, I know that, I think the Big 12, honestly, you know what my, you know, my conspiracy theory is? Maybe it's not necessarily a conspiracy theory. You know why they're holding it? They want to make a splash when they drop it. That, that's the thing about this. They're trying to find a lull in the sports calendar, so when they drop it, all attention goes to the Big 12 schedule. And Brett Yormark, it's a pretty savvy move, but at the same time, it's just annoying to continue here. Oh, it's going to come out mid-season. Oh, it's actually going to come out in November. Oh, no, it's coming out mid-December. Oh, no, it's coming out after New Year's. 
Just give it to us. Give us the schedule, Big 12. We want to see it. BYU fans, I know all of you out there cannot wait to see where BYU is playing in their first foray into Power 5 football, where they're traveling for the first road trips of the Big 12 era, who's coming to Provo, hopefully Texas and or Oklahoma at some point uh, during their one or two years in the conference would be coming to Provo. I'd like to see both of them uh, playing at Lavelle Edwards Stadium before they depart the conference. Just give us the schedule. That's my plea. Just, Just get it done. Issue it, get the press release out, and let us uh, delve into that. But, hey, at the same time, that content, it'd be good to have maybe two weeks from now when New Year's is coming up. We don't necessarily have as much to talk about for BYU. But, hey, we'll sit patiently and wait and wait and wait and probably get it, you know, like mid-March at this point. (laughs) I'm only slightly facetious about that. All right, that's going to do it. Uh, Big thank you for joining us on this bonus edition of Locked on Cougars. As mentioned, uh, later today, Friday, there will be the official Friday edition of the podcast. It's a crossover edition with Locked on Utes and Locked on Cougars. Uh, JT Worcester still joined me. Actually, I guess I joined him in a way to talk all about BYU and Utah and hoops, also in recruiting. So stay tuned for that. You can get that on YouTube. Also, wherever you get your podcast, you'll find that uh, dropping around midday. But thank you once again for making us here on Locked on Cougars, your first listen of the day. Now go make your second listen, our friends, over the Locked on Big 12 podcast. I know Josh Neighbors is ready for the schedule to drop, so uh, get all the content you can handle from him on the Big 12 front. That's free and available on YouTube as well as wherever you get your podcasts as well. And for myself, have a great rest of your day. See y'all in Albuquerque. This has been the Locked on Cougars podcast. See ya. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.